Welcome, everybody, to episode 499 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'm Corey. Today's topic is... What game were we... I, I, Rift Breaker? <laughs> yeah, let's let's make the main topic rift, the Rift Breaker. The Rift Breaker. Okay, that's what we were... Uh, I, and I'm only confused because we were talking about a couple different games that we could have had for the primary topic for this. Yeah, we're going to be covering the Rift Breaker, which looks really interesting to me. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on it Corey. uh elaborated on from from last week obviously um and then anything you want to use for later on in the episode Corey? uh i played dungeon encounters um which i mean arguably could be also be the main topic of the episode just because i probably played it about as much as i played the rift breaker and uh have as robust of thoughts as i do uh with that game as i do the rift breaker but yeah uh dungeon encounters is the square enix i think i talked a little bit about that one too but played much more of it over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I have some more thoughts there. And then I think that's it. Yes, okay. that's it. Uh, the only thing I'm going to be talking about is I'm going to be giving brief first impressions of Age of Empires 4. Um, I did I did play a little bit. We do want to have Will on and Corey to play uh, before we do an episode on it. So that will probably be in a couple of weeks if I had to guess. I do know Will's been playing it a little bit. I've talk to him briefly about it and i've played a, a few hours of it a little bit about it from from perspective and uh as usual we have some news gaming news to talk about but yeah let's get into it Corey. let's hear about the rift breaker so this was a game that showed up for me on game pass and i always like to browse the new games available on on game pass um just because they they they're they're curating a really good list of games for game pass um and a lot of times they're games like the rift breaker that probably haven't broken through to the mainstream yet but there's a small but very dedicated community that really loves this game and it does re- it, it's reviewing really well it's very positive on steam but it's at a 91 percent on steam um which I don't know when they turn that over to overwhelmingly positive. I think it has to have a certain number of reviews before it makes that switch. But yeah, reviews really well on Steam. Um, came out October 14th. And I'm really, really glad that they got it on Game Pass because um, I downloaded it and and tried it out. And it, it, it does satisfy my uh, tutorial requirements in that the tutorial isn't painful in any way, shape, or form. It's really easy, gets you into the game really quickly. Um, and then kind of holds your hand, not holds your hand, but slow, very slowly introduces you to the game's mechanics, which is really good because there's a lot going on in this game. I said to you, Dan, before we started recording that I'm struggling to summarize my, my thoughts on it just because it covers so many different genres. Um, it's from XOR Studios, which I looked up and I didn't recognize any of the other games they had developed or published. Uh, but it's a base building, real-time strategy, tower defense, hack and slash survival game. Um, at, at, yeah, at least those are the tags that are on Steam for it. Um, you play a military scientist in a mech suit, and that's your avatar for the game. Uh, and you're doing the 4X, you know, the exploring and, and exploiting of these foreign planets. It does kind of remind me of No Man's Sky. I'm not sure how much of, like, the flora and fauna on these planets is procedurally generated. Um, but at least the setting does kind of remind me of a 2D No Man's Sky uh, in that you're 
running around on these planets with these weird creatures that you've never seen before, scanning everything to, you know, improve your codex and uh, increase your stats towards certain things. But you're also mining various resources to build your base. So once you start mining resources, then you start building your base up. And that's kind of like the real-time strategy. Uh, but you're running around with just that one avatar. You're not like the overlord that can scan all over the map. Everywhere you, anywhere you want to build, you have to actually physically go to with your avatar in your mech. Uh, and build it. And there's enemies scattered all throughout the map. So you're fighting along the way. That's the hack and slash part of it. Um, occasionally, as you're building your base, waves of enemies will come and you have to defend them. And that's where the tower defense side of it comes in. Um, I mean, you can do it old fashioned, like Age of Empires style, where you're just putting up some walls and some towers and then using your avatar to help defend. That works too. That's what I've been doing. Uh, but a lot of people on the internet have recommended a more tower defense type strategy where you're utilizing the terrain. Um, and maybe sending the enemies down corridors built by your walls where you have strategically placed towers so you can kind of wipe out the masses before they get to you because those waves of enemies, it's like a horde mode in a game. You know, it, it, it can get pretty intense. Um, but... real, real quick, just to jump in. Um, yep. So what, what I'm trying to imagine what this game looks like. What's, what's the art style? Like what, 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 uh, what's a comparable like uh, as far as the, the game's like graphic design? Um, I would say maybe like a Starcraft kind of feeling. Um, okay. Definitely the, I don't know, isometric. I don't know if that's the word, but for those those real-time strategy types games like Age of Empires, like the Warcraft um, games, Starcraft, you know, that like top-down or angle-down view um, would be, yeah, that's the, the closest. But But with hack and slash controls? Hack and slash controls. Yep, I'm playing with a controller. It does seem like the game was designed for mouse and keyboard. There's some janky. <clears throat> excuse me, I got a, a little COVID in my throat. I think I got a little, <laughs> a little tickle. Um, there is some uh, menu navigation that would be a lot easier with keyboard and mouse. That I think they just kind of figured out a short-term solution for um, in the controller release, but. Um, that would be one of one minor complaint is just navigating menus and stuff. Some stuff is a little more difficult to do. And there are a ton of controls because there's so much you're doing. You're not only doing this like hack and slash type combat, but you also have to, there's a whole build menu, right? So it's kind of like Fortnite in that respect where you have all these controls that do all the battling, but then some of those controls, there's also crossover for the building. So you switch the build menu and then you got to build really quickly. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, so but, does it does it feel like a like a controller controlled like MOBA as far as gameplay? Yeah, okay. yeah that's a good way to describe it too. Yeah, I've heard people uh, draw a lot of similarities with MOBAs too. Um, you are not only upgrading your base, but you're upgrading your mech. You know, you're building buildings that allow you to research various things to upgrade your mech. Um, but again, the whole goal is to just exploit these resources. I know there's an overarching goal, but I'm, I'm not clear on what that is yet. I'm still relatively early on in the game. I have it set to normal difficulty, but it's pretty hard for me. And I, the way I enjoy um, at least real-time strategy games is a much more slow play style rather than the like rapid, you know, um, min-max your build order and all that kind of stuff to rush to the resources to go really quickly. I don't know. I don't, I don't enjoy the games when they become so formulaic like that. And you have yeah. like a very set strategy. I, I, I like to kind of feel out the terrain and the environment and, and, you know, exploit my 
specific location rather than have this strict set of parameters that I use to build a base as quickly and as efficiently as possible. I just don't have as much fun. But that said, um, the environment plays such a huge factor, not only the enemies that show up to attack you, but um, various locations. And I'm not sure if you're heading to actual different planets or if it's different sections on the same planet, but you have your initial game map where you're setting up your like main base, your main hub, where you're setting up all your research facilities and um, all your power generation and all that kind of stuff. But then you, in order to get more rare resources, you have to travel to different areas. And it's like going to a whole new game, procedurally generated game map. Um, and those areas have very specific environmental things you have to deal with. Like one I'm dealing with right now, there's these acid spores that pop up. And um, the way it's described in the game is uh, the science behind these spores is like yeast on earth. So it's like really rapid growing um, under the right set of circumstances, but it's really dangerous to your character. It's like, uh, they call it corrosion, but it's kind of like a poison um, effect where if you walk over these tiles that have this yeast on it, your character loses shield or health, um, but they grow so quickly that you can just be standing there and then they grow under you and it damages you and destroys you. Um, so the way you deal with that, there's a few different ways. You can get the right weapons. Like I have a flamethrower that I use to um, burn up all those spores but you can also research um, technology that shields you from that stuff. Uh, but they kind of bake dealing with that stuff into the story of the game. Like I have to get a very specific resource that's only available on these acid corrosion planes or whatever like that. Uh, so I have to get the research that I need in order to be able to build in that area. And then once I can build in that area, I can build the right research facilities to um, study the flora and fauna around me to unlock further technologies that push me further along in the game um but it's all kind of open i mean you can travel to lots of different places at any point you can set up outposts outposts on these different maps so uh if you want to go back to them at any point you have a persistent base you can build up any of those other bases in these different areas uh, and what's nice about that is once you set them up and leave them you don't have to worry about waves of enemies coming and attacking you if you're not there you won't get attacked so you can build up all these different bases and have all these different resources coming in that feed into your main base um, and allow you to grow that way. But yeah, I'm having a hell of a lot of fun with Riftbreaker. Um, it's pretty challenging. I'm getting a little frustrated to the point where I might want to turn the difficulty down to easy, which I don't like uh -huh. to do uh, just because the I, I think the challenge of the game is part of its charm, which, you know, we talk a lot about that in games, but it does get to a point where um, the frustration over overshadows the, the, the difficulty. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about turning the difficulty down just so I can get through this one part, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a really fun time. Um, on, when you're upgrading your character, you can also upgrade um, different abilities and, and, give your character different types of consumables. Uh, like I have one right now that scans the area around me. It's like a radar thing that I can use. Um, and that's really ni nice because the map can be really hard to, tra to traverse with the enemies and the various environmental factors like lava vents and that kind of stuff. Um, so when you can scan the mini map around you and see stuff, it, it gives you a, a huge advantage. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just another small aspect of it. There's different weapons you can build and, and craft. And there's just it's just one of those games that has so much baked into it. Um, I'm surprised it's not more popular than it is, although it does seem like it's it's gaining steam and 
like I mentioned at the top of the episode, it's starting to get a little bit of a community around it. And um, I don't think there's multiplayer, but I could really see a game like this uh, turning into something much bigger than it is. I don't know if it's like the Fortnite type situation where they make this game that does one thing, but then they realize people love this game for this other reason right. that they then embrace. Um, I could really see that happening with with the Rift Breaker, but I, I 100% recommend it, Dan, to to you and and Will um, and Eric for that matter. I think all of you guys would would like it. Um, it's it's easy enough to learn, but there's a ton going on that inevitably there's something to really enjoy for everybody in the game. Um, I only touched on a few of the features, but again, there's just just so much baked into it and it's it seems like a labor of love it's one of those games that um all the all the detail was thought of and and even the stuff that um comes from a more um story developer like the art style and the animation and, and all that stuff is also really well done uh there's nothing better than like using the shotgun and charging it up all the way and blasting through a wave of hundreds of enemies and just watching them all get obliterated and um it's it's really cool to watch so highly recommend the rift breaker i i might put it up there as my game of the year so oh, wow. far for me uh it's that interesting and and different and has my attention right now it's it looks like it's available on xbox series x and s playstation 5 and yep uh right now on steam it's only 30 bucks so it's not even a full price game and like i said available for free through game pass um nothing's nothing's for free uh it comes with your game pass subscription i, I wonder you know what i'm gonna check right now to see if it's on pc game pass oh yeah good good thought yeah i'm, I'm watching some gameplay of how it really it looks awesome it's even though it's like the the you know 2d isometric or whatever it looks like Graphically, it looks really good. It looks like it plays smoothly, bright colors, and all that. All that expect and want, and uh, you know, yeah. And um, it's surprising how well it runs. You know, you think a game like this from an unfamiliar developer, you get a lot of enemies on the screen. It probably slows down, but I didn't really have any issues. Granted, I'm playing on a Xbox Series X, um, so I've got the horsepower, but still um yeah very well developed look like it's on pc well that's a bonus oh it is oh it is okay yeah i would uh i would download it and install it right now but i've had internet issues uh <laughs> for a while now so i'm i'm gonna, i'm going to leave it till after we finish but i will definitely give it a shot awesome yeah i'm 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 curious to hear your thoughts uh and, and like i said i i do think it's better played on pc so even especially when you're like building and you need to build quickly when you get the notice that a wave of enemies is coming and it's like oh shit like i gotta get i gotta get moving here it's a lot harder to um manipulate the the menus and stuff and build your towers and set your walls and especially if you need to build like a vast swath of something you have to use your uh, joystick to like select each square and, oh, and add it. Whereas with a mouse and keyboard, it'd be easier to drag and drop or, yeah. you know, just click that stuff. But yeah, uh, please. Yeah. Please play it and let me know what you think. I'm, I'm curious. Sounds good. Yeah. I don't have uh, I'm I'm currently only on PC game pass and not Xbox game pass. Cause I got a free month uh, when I bought my laptop that I finally just re 
So nice. <clears throat> yeah. I got I just got a free trial for Stadia. Oh. Um because I was in the middle of a free trial for YouTube Premium. <laughs> and apparently oh, anybody okay. who had a YouTube Premium subscription got this 3 months of free Stadia. Uh so I just timed my free trial of Premium really well, I guess. Nice. Uh so oh, have you taken a look and seen what what's on there? Haven't touched it. Nope. Uh. I haven't, I mean, that's I haven't, what I'll do today. I haven't thought about Stadia in, in a while, so I'll be interested. I mean, I guess it works fine. There's just not... You know, I wouldn't want to buy games that way just because Google has a reputation of canceling that sort of thing. Which they kind of have already with Stadia, right? Like, I, I, don't, I no. mean, they haven't done anything with it as far as I know. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I have a trial for Luna too that I signed up for that I haven't used. I did. I did try Luna when, when it first came out in like, over the summer at some point. Um, but I kind of forgot about it as soon as I signed up for the trial. I think I played maybe ten minutes of a game. Um, any other thoughts on Riftbreaker, Corey? No, other than to say, if if you're a space nerd, uh, it does kind of scratch that itch of you know being on foreign planets and exploring strange and mysterious places, um, which is speaks to me, anyway. Nice. Okay. Uh, nibble bits. Yeah, I think for nibble bits. You know, I'm sure there was something, but no, I don't have anything prepared. I don't know if you do. I have one thing that I'm actually kind of excited for. It's that God of War, the God of War that came out most recently, is coming to PC. Uh, early next year, it's going to be on the Epic Game Store. I just want to say I love that. That uh, PC is kind of being becoming the middle ground for uh, Xbox and PlayStation to both also release their, their games on. You know, God of War has been out for a couple years now probably not making anything on sales at this point. So why not put it on PC and expose it to tens of millions of new players? Probably a lot of them, a lot of people are excited and are going to buy it, myself included. I'm excited about that. I did hear also hear the rumor that Ghost of Tsushima is coming to PC. I'm just checking right now to to validate that. Um, that was... Uh, uh, what's the Horizon that came out for PC? Yep, right, that's on PC. Uh, Days Gone is on PC. It, I I think Horizon was the first though, right? Uh, the I first th- yeah, exclusive that made the jump. Journey. No, oh. there's some indies that made the jump first, but that's the first like big PlayStation AAA. Gotcha. Well, that experiment must have been successful for them because I don't think they would be doing this otherwise. Well, it's and you know I played it on both the PlayStation and PC, and in addition to being able to play my preferred method, which is keyboard and mouse, the improved graphical fidelity and frame rate really made that game stand out for me. Like it was a 30 30 FPS game on on. PlayStation 4, which, as you know, is a huge issue for me nowadays for most games. Um, but when I was playing it on PC at you know, 90 frames per second with, with uh, G-Sync on, it like it looks um, mm-hmm. plays so much better. It says, so this is Ghost of Tsushima is coming to PC game.com 
it says it will be making its way to PC. Uh, apparently, it's not been officially announced, but there the leaks that came from the people that Horizon Zero Dawn and Days Gone would be coming to PC also leaked that Ghost of There's just not a release date. It's not official. Coming. That's good. All right. Um, while you were talking, I I was googling. Uh, apparently, New World, the Amazon game that you had talked about, uh, has lost almost seventy percent of its players. Already. I believe it. Um, which I think is kind of normal, right? You get that initial huge yeah. influx of people for that first month, and then uh, it's really it, kind of normalizes off. after that. Um, but I don't know if 70% is the extreme that it normally goes to. That sounds about right to me, but I mean, I wouldn't know uh, without yeah. looking up some of the other. I mean, I feel like this this game too would have a bigger initial influx of players because of the price of it. And because it doesn't have a monthly subscription fee, I think a lot of that just will dissuade a lot of people. You know, if I pay sixty dollars for a game, and it has a subscription fee, you know, a lot of people that that were playing New World probably wouldn't wouldn't have right. Um, yeah. So I think I think the the player base was was had an, was initially higher than RPG. Um, but apparently the end game content is not all there. I'm not close to that, so I I, I can't one way or the other but i feel like that's always the case with these games right <laughs> well I, yeah because you get your hardcore players that run through all the content in the first two weeks two weeks yeah <laughs> and then they'll play for another week after that and they'll then they'll be bored and then they'll stop you know seems i mean i don't know i'd be curious to know what percentage of that 70 percent were people that made it to the end game and saw you know Made it to the top of the mountain and saw there was nothing there, and then yeah. just bounced. I mean, probably not all of them. I, I I've slowed down myself, not because I've lost interest in the game, but because other stuff's coming out that I I sure rather play. Um, I'll still luckily there's no subscription fee, so I'll still like pop in and play play a little bit here. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I, I won't take as much time into it as I as I. A couple other quickies: the servers for. The Halo series on Xbox 360 are getting shut down January 13th, 2022. So sad day if you're still playing Halo on 360. Um, you will no longer be able to play online. <laughs> I bet you there's like a hardcore dedicated uh, handful of players that still do that. Well, apparently they were going to do it in December, um, but they decided to push it back to January 13th. So okay. I wonder if... I, I hope that that's due to outcry of people wanting to be able to play over Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, I know. I on, hope that's the reason. I know. On I think it was TikTok, there was a a kid that was petitioning for a bunch of players to jump back into. I think it was Halo Reach on Xbox 360. Um, apparently they got they had a huge influx of players. I, I think that was supposed to take place like maybe over the summer. Uh, I don't. Funny. I don't remember the dates of it, but it was, you know, it was one of those TikTok videos that got you know 100 million views or whatever. So I'm sure uh, there are some people that that did that. Uh, and then last one, a game set in the A Quiet Place universe uh, is being developed. So I don't know. You haven't seen A Quiet Place, have you, Dan? No. Nope. Um, good, really good John Krasinski thriller horror movie. Um, that actually some of it was filmed around my neck of the woods. So I have a, I have a soft spot for the quiet place 
series. Nice. Um, that's all I really see, Dan. Nothing. Nothing else too exciting. Um, this is kind of a large topic, but I don't know if you saw Facebook's rebrand to Meta. No, they're going. <laughs> yeah, they're going all in on the the metaverse stuff. They've they've rebranded from. I, I think that you know Facebook itself will still be called Facebook, but the overarching company is going to be called Meta. I just, just Facebook is not the company be, to be doing that. I'm no. sorry. What, well, what's what's happening is there's there's everyone's trying to race to be the first, right? If you're the first, you you stand up to, to profit the most. Um, but there's there's a backlash because a lot of people want the metaverse to be like decentralized instead of having it be Facebook that's, is in control of the metaverse. That's the only answer to me is to have a decentralized metaverse. But and I agree. So somebody's. I mean, at the end of the day, somebody's got to be behind it. Yeah, I don't know, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, you know, people in the, like the communities that I that I like it's it's big in the cryptocurrency communities, um, the whole metaverse thing and decentralization, and they're like, oh my god, there could not be a worse company to be promoting the the metaverse right now. Yep, I mean the the timing of it is just horrible. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Facebook is not in a good place in the news cycles right now, so. Um, that's crazy. I mean, I'm fascinated in that stuff because science fiction, you know, yeah. it's just, it's the future is going to go in that direction. It's inevitable to me. We're going to, it's like, the, it's going to be like the matrix where we're living in pods and, uh, our, our, our human husks are going to be in these pods and our consciousness are going to be in the more ideal place. Um, that see, to me, that sounds horrible. And you know, I don't, I, I don't know if things are ultimately going to go that way, but I'm sure they will for some people. Uh, but that's sounds that sounds horrible. I, it sounds ideal to me. I don't know. I, I'm one of those people, like, maybe it's different for me because I don't have kids and I, I know how much kids just change your perspective oh, on yeah, definitely. everything. Um, but for me, I'm just like an endlessly curious person that wished I didn't have any responsibilities or anything I need to take care of or anything and could just explore my curiosity endlessly. And, and to me, that's what the metaverse could be. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> Again, like, man, Facebook, this just isn't the project for you. I'm sorry, because nobody trusts you right now. No, no, they don't. Um, but, you know, you'll probably get people that are jumping jumping headfirst into that, you know? Ugh. See what happens. Ugh. I'm sure we're missing out on some other big stories, but uh, it's been two weeks now since we last recorded, so... So what what have you been up to, Corey? Um, who boy, let's see. I had a couple digital conferences this week, which are always nice. Um, I like to learn, so uh, and it's nice to do it on work hours. Um, so that was nice. I did Adobe Max. Saw some of the new uh, like AI programs that Adobe has um, been a part of. Uh, which is really interesting. And I can see why people say like, we're all going to be replaced by robots. They were, one of the demos was for, uh, like Adobe illustrator where you, if you upload your product, your product image into illustrator, the AI will scan it and will tell you how likely it is to get noticed. 
Um, it's just really fascinating stuff, and it's all based on years of neuroscience and stuff like that that yeah. they bake into these plugins that you then add to your design programs, um, and then it gives you all this information and basically tells you how to design to get people's attention. Uh, it's just really crazy stuff. I'm not so much a designer, but I, I do do like user experience type stuff. Um, so that stuff's really interesting to me because I'm constantly building landing pages on websites and it's always useful to know like what portion of this landing page is going to draw the eye first, yeah. you know, what's going to draw the eye the most, that kind of stuff. I think that's a lot more important too than the average person realizes i mean you oh, yeah. I, i'm sure you've used apps that that were like this is a great idea but if if they just like improved the user experience a little bit it would it would so much better you know yeah and i'm a uh i haven't been doing it that long but i i prefer a user experience that you don't even notice you know like you don't you don't notice that there was a well thought out user experience um, it's just, it just feels intuitive. I, I mean, I think that's the sign of, of a really good user experience, but, um, anyway, there's that. I also, what else have I been doing? We watched some new TV shows. Lock and Key came out with its second season, which is a Netflix show. Um, really, really interesting. I, I know I've talked about it before on this show, but, um, it's like a fantasy kind of, uh, teen drama i guess is it season one not so much teen drama but season two I, I feel like it's just cheaper to make a teen drama than it is a fantasy tv series so that's the direction a lot of these successful netflix shows go in their second season is it's more about the the drama and less about the fun like world building and um crazy experiences of the characters but that's a pretty good show uh other than that watching hockey gambling on hockey losing a lot of money gambling on hockey i don't know what's going on i've lost i've lost i wouldn't say this out loud but i've lost um with my wife was around but i've lost like 40 bucks on gambling already this season uh which isn't i mean it's not really that much it's worth you know the entertainment the, the fun, value yeah. i get out of it is, is worth the 40 dollars. but uh what has never been the case historically for me i usually i usually break even or make a little bit of profit that i then will like gamble all of at the end of the season you know any profit i made i i try to you know take some big bets and see if i can turn it into even more money but yeah i don't know what's going on i just can't predict anything for the life of me i mean even the bets that are like sure bets i'm like well i'll i'll at least take this one and make a little bit of money back and then i'll get that one wrong too and it's just I think it's just a string of really bad luck um, because I'm also in DraftKings groups with some friends and, you know, last season I was, you know, consistently first, second or third um, in the top half. And I've just been in the bottom half every week or every day, I should say, because it's uh, daily fantasy. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, I hope it's not me just like losing my touch with, with gambling. Um, I feel like this but, hockey season has been a little bit upside down compared to previous seasons. Been a little well, harder to predict things. It's always kind of that way in the start of the season. Um, and maybe that's just all I'm dealing with, but I don't know. I I think you're right to a point like teams that are bad, uh, like a Detroit or something like that, they're still scoring a lot of goals. You know, so it's yeah, I think I think you're onto something, just that it's just kind of like a weird a weird season um so far I, I mean i know things will level out a little bit but um I'm trying to plug in my laptop 
Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just hope to be able to make some money back because I do really enjoy it. I, I have a ritual like around four, four thirty, depending on when my workday wraps up, I'll turn on NHL TV and get caught up on the news and open up the betting site that I use and my DraftKings and, you know, spend an hour or so setting my lineups and going through the games and it's nice. a nice ritual, but um, when you're losing money every freaking night, it kind of sucks. But the Rangers won last night, and it was a pretty convincing win. It was a complete win, which hasn't really happened much for them this season. And it, usually it's uh, Shesterkin standing on his head or, you know, some random player chipping in with three goals that nobody expected to do. Um, and they, they showed a lot of holes, even though their record's pretty good. Uh, until last night, they had a negative goal differential, but we're still like, you know, in a, in a playoff spot. So um, we're still really early in the season. But I did, yeah, get, I a, did get a shutout from Sturkin, which I was glad for. He's incredible. I, I mean, I hope uh, and I think he will be as good in the NHL as he was in the AHL. He just had unreal numbers. And you can see it when he oh, yeah. he's just calm as a cucumber, but like, also standing on his head at the yeah. same time it's really impressive to watch i feel the same way about adam fox too watching oh, yeah. I, I never got to watch him play really i can't watch rangers games here unless they're on national tv uh because of blackout restrictions um yep. but we we because of the predators were playing the predators played the rangers uh we signed up for a free trial of i think it was sling tv to watch on msg so uh, when the rangers are on msg now like i'll i'll watch them uh and yeah he's those guys are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you could also use the MSG app and use mom and dad's AT&T TV login <laughs> through the MSG app to watch yeah, I mean, games. I, I, I would do that. I don't want to screw things up for them. Oh, it wouldn't. It's a totally, they don't use it at all. They don't use their, it's, it's the MSG app login. So it wouldn't, I don't okay. even think they use that. But I might do that. I know Rangers games aren't on your priority list, but if you ever you know want to watch, that's one way to do it. Okay. Um, but also the uh, the TNT, if it's a Rangers game on TNT um, or any of the the national broadcasts, it's exclusive for TNT, which hasn't been the case in the past. MSG has also had it, which is why it was blacked out on TV. Um, but now that it's exclusive on T TNT or ABC, uh, ESPN, right. Is the other channel. Yep. Um, they're exclusive now. So, yeah, it's, it's such a weird cause you know, we used to pay money for the NHL package. It's no longer there, uh, but you can watch all the hockey games through ESPN plus, but like middle of last year, all the Fox sports broadcasts switched over to Bally sports. So it's it's been such a like everything's changed so much in the past like you know year for for hockey broadcasts it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with sports programming too. They're talking a lot about the regional sports networks that model not really working. Um, I mean, we know just from experience of being cord cutters, like it's there's no easy solution. Yeah, with blackouts and all that stuff. So. Um, I'm curious to see how all that stuff shakes out. And I know a lot of the more traditional um, cable companies are being really tough on some of these sports channels like MSG, uh, which is a regional sports network, you know, demanding a higher cut and ever, all that stuff. And I, yeah. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I just, I, I mean, everybody knows there's an easy solution out there and it's just, it's, executing on that idea whatever it happens to be the a la carte you know viewing model where 
these TV networks. You can just sign up individually for each one and that's what you get. Um, but there's no, you know, who's going to facilitate that. I feel like anyone that's tried gets shut down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So it happens. Uh, Uh, Anything else? Just quickly, Blood of Zeus, I finished on Netflix. It's a Western animation series about Greek gods and demigods. Um, One of Zeus's bastard children that's made up for the sake of the show does some things and Hera wants his bastard son to get killed and sends Seraphim after him. And, uh, it's really, really high quality animated series. I'm, I don't know. I'm really into that stuff. I I've been beating the Castlevania drum for years. I think everybody should watch Castlevania. I don't think it's a series just for anime fans or video game fans or, you know, adult animation fans. I just think it's a really, really good show. Um, and everybody should watch it. But yeah, Blood of Zeus was was freaking awesome. I I think what I like about it is, you know, even though it's a animated series that's totally made up, it's still based on Greek mythology. So I still get a little bit of real world exposure, uh-huh. um, in in information that way. So you know, I can learn about these gods and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm looking for my next series. Oh, I'm still watching Demon Slayer. We'll be happy to know. I think I'm on like episode 14 or something like that. But um, looking for my next series to watch. I'm really into the Western style animated series right now. There's a, a new Masters of the Universe on Netflix that I got my eye on. But that Masters of the Universe, like the one from the 80s, like yep, upgraded. Yeah, there's a new, yeah, there's a new series. Nice. Yeah, it looks it looks really cool. Um, that like pulp kind of yeah. over the top science fiction fantasy, the '80s style. So, you know, you you were alive in the '80s. You know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I don't remember much of the '80s, mostly early '90s, but I remember a few things late '80s. I remember watching what movie was was All Dogs Go to Heaven an '80s movie. I would say that's early '90s, but I don't I don't know for sure. 1989. Okay. So right, right at the end of the '80s, I remember watching that movie religiously uh, as like a two-year-old. But that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No. What about you, Dan? Um, I, I don't have a ton to talk about. Um, I I mentioned cryptocurrency earlier. That's I that's kind of been my universe for the past. I don't know. Nine months or so. I, I started getting into it early this year. Um, but, but I want to talk a little bit about it cause Bitcoin hit a, hit an all time high. I think it was last week sometime. Uh, Ethereum hit an all time high this, this past week. Um, but I wanted to say for those that are even the slightest bit interested, now is the time to get in. The bull market is kind of in full force. It's probably going to go till the end of the year. Uh, I think it's going to be important to know this stuff going into the, as, as we kind of transition financial systems, uh, it seems like that's that's going to be the the what's what's happening, you know, over the next few years or so. But yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating world, and I'm really glad that on a whim I bought nine dollars worth of Doge uh, earlier this year and and got myself fully invested in it. Uh, I've made good money off of it this year too, even starting with basically nothing. Um, but yeah, it's it's been fun. You been, mean as we. As we transition from the U.S. dollar to the Chinese yuan, <laughs> or or uh, yeah, some people are petitioning for the transition to uh, global Bitcoin standard. 
actually. Uh, people, um, you know, even U.S. politicians, some want that. Uh, but but some people think that the U.S. is going to come out with its own uh, version of a digital currency. We'll see. I don't know. I, I don't trust the U.S. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the good thing about current cryptocurrency is it's you could go fully decentralized and not have any any uh or very little traceable uh activity so true true yeah i it's i try to um i'm very fascinated in all the crypto stuff dan i just haven't had the time to dedicate to it to like figure it all out um i think it'd be fun to like sit together and have some beers and you can just brain dump all of that stuff on me um because i do find it fascinating and, and i do think you know there is a uh a future with crypto in a big way in on planet earth you yeah. know I, <laughs> I i don't know what it looks like i'm sure you have some ideas and i'm sure a lot of people do but um i'm just curious too because the way things are going with the dollar you know the the world's economy is basically run on the u.s dollar but yeah um, the volatility of it is really turning people off and the world is looking for a replacement um like it or not in the u.s but just curious to see how all this stuff shakes yeah. out. So, so, so there, El Salvador was the first country to le- legalize Bitcoin as like legal country, and I think a few other uh, Central American and South American countries are are going to follow suit. Um, I know. So, El Salvador bought on the Bitcoin dip. They bought like four hundred and twenty bitcoins or something like that, and it you know it made them millions and millions of dollars when it when it popped back up so that doesn't happen often with uh with a country's currency it usually almost always goes down you know mm-hmm. so um but yeah no I'm, i've learned way like i recently kind of spread my wings a little bit too i was kind of just buying and holding but i've i've looked into like D, it's called DeFi or decentralized finance uh you can stake your coins in various places and get like 70 percent interest uh, you know, so if you have ten grand or a hundred grand, getting seventy percent interest—that's good money. You know. Yeah, uh, that's incredible. Um, in your in your crypto adventures, have you ever crossed paths with Cardano? Oh yeah. Okay, it's funny because so- like probably four years ago, I might have told you guys this story, but probably four years ago, we had a client come into the agency I work for. Um, and we were helping them build their website and we met with them. It was a, a later meeting. It was like a five o'clock meeting, which we don't usually do. Um, but at the end of the meeting, we were just kind of sitting around shooting the crap a little bit and crypto came up and apparently these guys were really into it. And this was relatively early on. I know yeah. four years ago, uh, wasn't that early on in the crypto thing, but, but still pretty early on relative yeah. to everything going on now. Uh, and they were talking about it and they had the whole thing, the setup, the mining setup. They were running systems in their basement, you know, doing the whole thing. And I just asked them, I'm like, which crypto would, would you guys recommend getting in on like right now for somebody that hasn't done anything? And they mentioned Cardano mm-hmm. and I asked why. And they said, it's a Japanese, uh, it's a Japanese, I don't even know what you would call it, a Japanese founded type of currency. Um, and he just explained why he thought it would be successful. Japanese embraced technology a little more quicker than anywhere else in the world. Right. Um, had a lot of good reasons for it. I, I guess you can access it through ATMs or something like that. So Cardano is a, is a Ethereum competitor, Ethereum. So you have the, the top two are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Ethereum has like 
use cases. So you can think of Ethereum like uh, I heard it explained this way. It's like Roblox. The Roblox is, you know, it's it's this game, but people go inside the game and make their own games. So in, in Ethereum, Ethereum is, you know, its own token, but there's a lot of, like, applications and other coins that use Ethereum to do different things. Bitcoin is just, like, a store of value, whereas Ethereum can do a lot of things. And Cardano is one of the, the Ethereum competitors. Okay. And I believe, it, I know it's top 10. It might even be a top five crypto right now. So Cardano? Cardano, yeah. I so, think it might be five. J- yeah, just to finish my story, I told one of my friends about it at the time. Um, and he put he invested a ton of money in it oh, at really? the time, like four years ago. Uh-huh. And he keeps telling me, he's like, Hey man, I just gotta keep telling you, thanks for that Cardano tip. You know, it's making me a ton of money. And I'm just like, Man, <laughs> if only that's one of my favorite sayings is you gotta have it to make it. Um, the best way to make money is to have money to start with. I mean, that's, that is absolutely the case. Cause like, we're looking, like I said, we're looking at the end of the, the, the bull run in, in crypto right now. And, and stuff is going to go up five X and 10 X you five X or 10 X, you know, a hundred bucks, 500, you know, but if you have 10 K hundred K invested, like, you know, do the math. Yep. So, it's a perpetual uh, money-making machine. Exactly. I, I, I don't want to go too long on crypto, Dan, because anybody that's not could, interested is probably yeah. just like... And I could talk about it for hours. Tuned out. But is there any threat of this whole thing just like going away? Just like... It's oof, like it's always possible. Uh, regulation could do... can. I don't know if that it, that it would make it go away, um, but it could definitely damage it and make it so it's inaccessible for the average person. Um. I don't think that's going to be the case. But, but where does that regulation come from that would make that kind of difference? Because even if the U.S. you know has some sort of regulation that damages it, it's still a currency that's valid elsewhere in the elsewhere, world. Elsewhere, yeah, you know? yeah. And and like I said, it's it's really just going to probably disrupt like the average person or you know the retail like investor uh, makes it hard. I, being in New York, New York is very hard for crypto. Because we only have access to that, we can use like four different exchanges. You can use decentralized, but again, that's runs that's mostly like Ethereum based stuff. And Ethereum right now to do anything on the Ethereum blockchain is expensive um, because it's so so popular right now and overrun, especially with like NFTs blowing up like they are. Um, it's very expensive to do anything with, with Ethereum, so uh, that does definitely dissuade people. It, it, it adds a layer of complexity too, you know. Um, if you want to get started in cryptocurrency, the best thing you could do is download an exchange, you know, buy buy your coins that way. Uh, if anyone wants to get started, the best way to do it is through Coinbase because um, you get roughly $30 of different cryptos for free by watching, at, you know, little short videos on what they do. You take a quiz and it gives you, you know, three, five, ten dollars for, for different cryptocurrencies. So that's that's the route I would go if you want to want to get started. Um, uh, I wonder if I should get into this. Probably more lucrative than my hockey gambling. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I just I I because when when you talk about your losses, I'm just like if if I had you know spent the money I had, uh you know made in crypto, and it's it's not a huge amount, but again, I started with nothing. Yeah. So um you know it, it's made things a lot more comfortable for me, uh and and then that's with taking a little bit, but mostly like reinvesting. Yeah, everything else today. Yeah. Um, but I just think if I, you know, I would have had a little bit of fun with gambling, but better to be a little more comfortable in life, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe I'll. And I, I think 
I'm also terrible with gambling. I I just always seem to lose money at it. So yeah, it's a it's it's a terrible thing, <laughs> gambling. <laughs> um, so you're saying if I want to get started, I should just download Coinbase, and that's the yep. best way to get going. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because like I said, there it's called Coinbase Earn, and you like I said, watch a thirty second like infographic about what these different. Some of them do because they all do different things. Right. Um, all the different cryptocurrencies. Yeah. It. It'll. You, there'll be a like a, a one question after to make sure you like kind of paid attention. Yeah. I think it's like thirty bucks worth that you can get, and you, you just hold on to that. See what it does. See what some of the other coins are doing price wise. Uh, it's never a bad bet to throw a few dollars here and there into Bitcoin or Ethereum. What's the? I said last question. With oh, my fine. last question, but I'm going to do it again here. What's the version of this that is totally like untraceable, anonymous, nobody knows I have it kind of thing? So, it, it, I mean, it's, it, uh, let's see. There is one cryptocurrency that's, that's totally untraceable. Uh, it, I should say most of it is hard to trace. Um, so you can buy, uh, although there's, there's always ways, you know. Um, but the, the, you can trace, like if you have the wallet, got I kind of got to reverse and explain what a wallet is. So when you, when, <laughs> it, it's a lot. So yeah, when you, when you buy cryptocurrencies and you have them on a, on a, an exchange, you don't actually like, there are the exchanges. You just have, you know, the vet, the value of them in the exchange, you can withdraw the coins to a wallet and that's yours to hold, to keep. Right. Uh, it's all, it's all kept on the blockchain. Like, you don't, but, but there it's called not your keys, not your coins. They, that's what they say. So if you, yeah, you take your coins off the exchange, they're yours. You're not going to lose them in a hack or, or whatever, you know? Um, but you could go, if you know what the wallet is, you can watch like what they, uh, if you, if you have it, you can see like the incoming amounts outgoing. Uh, so, you know, in New York we have, we have like four different exchanges we can use. So they like if they really the government really wanted to trace it, they would just see okay your account is such and such, it, you sent coins to this wallet or or that wallet so they can follow it that way. Um, there is ways to to get around that, obviously. Um, yeah. But yeah, they they can kind of trace the funds for now. But there is one hundred percent ways that you could could not be traceable on that. Uh, I just haven't haven't figured all that out just yet. Yeah, that's what I really want to know. I want I want <laughs> Uncle Sam to keep his grubby paws off my money. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm totally with you. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I what what I've been doing. Like any any free time I get, I read up on on different new ones that are coming out. What what you know use cases? Oh, it's just get fully absorbed. No. Um, while you it's were talking, fun. while you were talking, and, and just to bring it back to to video games, uh, I was reminded of a friend of mine who. Have you heard of the game um, Axie Infinity? Yeah. Do you know anything about it? I had never heard of it. Not really. I mean, I know Axie is a is a cryptocurrency, and yeah, there's. I don't know how it ties into, um, you know, the the coin itself, but yeah, I know that's that's kind of where things are going now. Is is cryptocurrencies are starting to get into gaming, and they're starting to tie in NFTs into gaming, and yeah, it's 
going to be a big thing in the next few years. Okay. So, well, yeah, while you were talking, I was reminded of the story that this friend of mine told me about that game and he's big into the crypto and all this like finance hacking kind of stuff. Um, he's also a, like a forensic, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a IT forensic oh, scientist okay. or something like that. Cool. Um, so he, he was really fascinated in all that stuff, but he was telling me that in this Axie Infinity game, he actually pays a kid in the Philippines to play the game for him and raise the value of these characters that he has, which, yep. as you pointed out, are based on cryptocurrency. Um, so he actually owns that, but he's playing the kid, uh, paying a kid like dollars a day yeah. in the Philippines to play this game for him and build the value of his account. Yeah, so I, I've heard a little bit about that, and there's you know, uh, discussions on whether or not, you know, that's, that's something that's trustworthy. And they're like, well, it's mutually beneficial. You know, the, the, the kid in the Philippines is getting more money than they would, do, you know, to do anything else really. Yep. Uh, and you're, you know, you're making the extra for being control of the account or character, however it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I have heard about people doing it. what crazy world we live in. I, I, I mean, I kind of like it. Like, cause as you pointed it's out, cool. Dan, the kid but. in the Philippines is making more money than he would make otherwise, you know, cause I always have that empathy for the person in yep. the, the more depressed country. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just fascinating to see the way a more global society interacts and like has these symbiotic relationships, especially as it relates to something like crypto, which is, yeah. seems like an entirely citizen driven thing. And I don't just mean us citizen. I mean, worldwide citizens. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's it's fun and interesting. Yep. Uh, there's I've been playing uh, one crypto game called Crypto Crypto Royale. It's like um, did you ever play like Agar.io? I don't think so. Where you like the holes suck up uh, buildings and stuff. I think that's. Uh, but it's just you're this little dot, and you absorb other dots, and you try to the rock paper scissors type of thing with mm -hmm. colors. It's just a very simple game, but you earn a little bit of crypto doing that too. For for fun, for you know, a couple minutes a day. But yeah, that, I think that's going to be the next big thing. Crypto. It, to bring it back to video games, Steam actually uh, recently banned the use of NFTs in games on the Steam platform. Um, so, but Epic Games is like, no, you can have NFTs. So. Uh, Platform wars again, you know. Can you give the like the layman's uh, definition of an NFT? Well, first let me say what I think it is, and okay. you can correct me because I the first time I heard it explained, it was through the context of hockey trading cards. Oh, okay. Um, so for video games, what I think it is is it's a unique version of something, an item, a character, something like that. Um, that that is unique and is only defined as unique through the same technology that runs crypto. Yeah, I mean, it, I that... guess it depend. It would depend on what your application is. Like, there's there's places where you can buy items for video games uh, through for NFTs to have in. I haven't played any games like that, um, but uh, NFT is just it's it's a non fungible token. It's just a way of verifying uh, something on on the blockchain. So it could be it could be anything. So, yeah, really? okay, so I guess hypothetically, let's say you and I are playing video game X, and in video game X, um, it has, like, creation tools, and I create something and sell it 
through the NFT and the NFT is the token that says like, this is valid and purchased. And is that, am I, I thinking about this wrong? No, I mean, that's probably something that, that could happen. Okay. Uh, at least for now, from what I gather, and I'm not, I'm not super into this world, so I, I don't know a ton of about it, but, um, it seems like there's, there's games that you could play and then you buy items like in the real world through NFTs, uh, you know, a, a really good sword or healing potions or whatever, buy the NFTs with, with actual money and take them to the game. Now it that's, that's. Like- that's just the gaming aspect of it. NFTs themselves are, you know, for the most part, are not that at least for now. Um, but that's going to be that's going to be a thing. Sounds like there's an episode here uh, where we could. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to do some research and figure out how all yeah. this stuff works, and then like share the information. Um, speaking of my digital conferences, I was attending. One of them was very explicit on the best way to learn something is to learn it and then teach it. Um, yeah. so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm fascinated. I think we can make an episode out of this and just do some research and, and, and talk about how all this stuff works because, um, it's really interesting. And I, I hope listeners are as interested in it as I am, um, because I would hate to do like an hour long episode on this stuff and have it be really boring, but I think it's fascinating and, and is probably the way video games are going. I mean, yeah, definitely. Just, just the way the way these video games work, and the way they have all their own like in-game currencies and microtransactions and stuff like that, it just makes sense. So yeah, absolutely. Best to learn now. Yeah. Um. But anywho, that's a little little blurb on cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's it's quite the quite the world. So let's get into what we played. Uh, I'll go first, actually. I. And playing Age of Empires four. Yeah. Uh, now the Age of Empires series is a thumbstick athlete's favorite. Uh, I never really played Age of Empires three, but I spent a lot of time playing Age of Empires two. Uh, we played it online together a lot when we were younger uh, in high school. Specifically, there's multiple instances of cheating in the Age of Empires two. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the famous cheating incident. Age of Empires two. Um, Which one? I, which one I, i'm thinking specifically of the one where uh one of our friends got eliminated when you got eliminated in the game you have access to the entire map so this one friend called another friend who was on their team and told you know gave them updates on troop movements and where where people were hiding and all that's not cool <laughs> yeah um uh, but yeah age of empires 4 uh i've only done so uh, talk about the tutorial real quick cory um because you have to do the tutorial at least i think you have to do it right off the bat kind of boring for someone who's played a lot of the age of empire series i wish i could have just skipped over that and gone right into the campaigns uh, but it did refresh my my memory on some uh some of the controls i guess uh that i would kind of forgotten about um but the, I think the thing that sticks out to me the most and the thing I'll talk about uh, for this episode, because I, I did the campaign, is the videos that are uh, part of the game. And it's it's like a historical... It gives you historical background to what you're doing. Uh, it talks about the defeat of the Saxons in 1066. It kind of starts there. Um, but the videos are really, really well done. Uh, it it kind of takes the his, the campaign to a next level. Like 
uh, what made what it made me think of Corey was when they had Ned Stark doing the voiceovers for the technological things in Civ Six. Like it's a little yeah. bit like that. Like it just it's that extra production quality boost that just takes it to a level. Um, the videos take like actual real world locations in in like England and France, uh, and you know it's it's very nice camera shots and panning and. Uh, it has a lot of like wireframe. It'll show like uh, a field, and it'll show like wireframe soldiers marching through, like what it would have looked like in history, superimposed on the actual like area. And it's just the narration is great. Like it's they're so cool. And I was frustrated because when I downloaded the game initially, it was like 138 gigabytes or something. Why is this so big? Like it's a it's a 2D strategy game. It shouldn't be more than like 30 gigabytes. Uh, but it turns out like they had 4K versions of all those videos, and that's like an extra thing. Yeah, uh, I didn't actually end up downloading the 4K versions. I don't have a 4K monitor, so I wouldn't have seen any improvement for that. But I can I can see why you would want to do that um, because the videos are incredible so far. Pain. So yeah, that's awesome. That for you to it's it's really good to hear you say that too because that's one of the things that I really do appreciate about the Civ series. Uh, is that like immersion in history? You know, we're history yep. enthusiasts, right? Like yep. we, we like history. I wouldn't consider us really experts, um, but we're fascinated by it. And to have that extra push um, and and that reminder of like the grandeur of history and and civilization, I mean, as a whole, uh, it just really helps bring you into those games. Civ has mastered it. It's one of the reasons I don't like the Paradox strategy games as much because sure. I don't think it does as good of a job of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, those games feel more like just playing spreadsheets rather than like experiencing, again, that that grandeur of, of civilization and history and all that stuff. Um, so that's really good to hear you say. And and yeah, like part of the reason we love historical games is, is because we're being informed while we play too. You know, it's just yep. a little more exposure to real world things that matter and uh are packaged up in a way that's just really fun to experience yeah absolutely um so yeah i mean at least as far as the game plays like it's it's you know it's a age of empires it looks like age of empires for the for the modern day age you know runs really well i haven't had any issues with any bugs or anything so far so i've probably played maybe about two two and a half hours of the campaign so, but we're gonna do a more more thorough episode on it. Uh, like, hopefully, once we get to play some multiplayer, and uh, you know, Cor- hopefully Corey can play it, and I know Will's been playing. For the episode, we'll do a, a more complete episode on it. So, that's I th- awesome. I think oh, that, I think that's all I've I've played uh, new. So, oh no, that's not true. Uh, I I downloaded or I I I think I texted you this, but I I paid for the Nintendo 64 and Sega games on Nintendo Switch. I played a little bit of Mario Kart 64 uh, on it. <laughs> it definitely does not hold up as well as I thought it would have. It's still fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having played Mario Kart 8, Mario Kart 8 is so, like, superb yep. that it really did feel like stepping back in time. I, You know, I, I re- remember it looking better than it did back then, but it, it, I'm sure it didn't, Um, you know. so. Yep. But it's still yeah. still fun game to play. I was going to say before you said that, I'm like, I bet it didn't hold up. And, and you, yeah, yeah, that's what you said. So not, not quite. I mean, it's okay, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Mario Kart 8 is, is superb in every yep. way. So any, speaking of uh, Mario games, any interest in the new Mario party I hear It's pretty good. 
Uh, like, we'll probably get it. I would say maybe maybe we'll get it for Christmas. But okay, yeah, uh, we we always like those. Games. Yeah. House. Yeah, and apparently it uh, packages up all the best parts of of Mario Party. I guess it's oh, like good. the greatest greatest hits of Mario Parties combined into this package. So nice. Yeah. Okay. What did you play, Corey? Um, still playing Rocket League. I got uh, my first ever twos tournament win. Twos is they they recently added. My laptop is not charging. It's plugged in, but I've gone from six percent to four percent. Uh oh. Um. But anyway. <laughs> um. It says it's charging, but it's just not keeping up with the power usage, oh, I guess. Oh, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I finally got my first twos tournament win. That was a big deal because uh, I've never had a twos tournament win. I got my threes tournament win. I don't know for this season. I don't know if I mentioned that last week. I can't remember when that was. Um, but I got to stop with Rocket League. As much as I enjoy it, it's just you sink so much time into it and you look up and, and two hours has gone by and it's just like, Oh my gosh, I have no memory of anything I've just done for the last two hours. I've just been playing rocket league. Uh, and again, as, as fun of a game as it is, I just don't, it's not enriching me anymore to right. play more rocket league. You I was going to say that there's no, if there's no real reason other than to like keep up with the curve, you know, right. That's, that's kind of what you're doing, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, I, I pretty much just play the tournaments now just because they're fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the end life of Rocket League is for me, but I, I'm like on the cusp of actually being like really competitive and good if I just dedicated some time to actual training, which is the difference between people that are stuck in gold and diamond, um, or I'm sorry, platinum and diamond like I am. Um, and the people who advance to like champ and grand champ and beyond. Uh, and that's just dedicated training. And there's so many custom games that people add, um, custom training sessions that people add that they just recommend, you know, just do the dribbling training, do the aerial trainings, just do those over and over and over again. It's the only way you're going to get better, but that's not as fun for me, you know, right. to do training. So I don't know what's going to happen because I, if I'm going to play, if I'm going to make it a part of my life, then I want to get better at it. Um, just cause it's frustrating to, to play something and not improve ever. Sure. Um, but it's tough. Yeah. Striking that balance. I mean, I'm kind of in that with, with Fortnite. Uh, the difference is, is, you know, I play with my kids, so I, I do want to get better and improve while they get better and improve. Um, so I have that, you know, where, whereas you don't necessarily have that for, for rocket league. Right. Well, they'll keep you uh, sharp too, right? Because the better they get, the better you'll want to get. Exactly. I, I do yeah. not want to be consistently beaten by them in video games. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. It will happen at some point. Definitely. Um, so that's Rocket League. Uh, I talked about Rift Breaker. Um, oh, Dungeon Encounters. So just quickly, I know I talked about it briefly, but I have put like 20 hours into Dungeon Encounters or something like that since last time I talked about it. Um, really fascinating game. It's a minimalist JRPG, and there's two phases to the game. There's exploration and there's combat. Combat is like a very traditional JRPG, turn-based, um, the whole thing, ATB system. It has focus points, which I'm trying to remember which game I played had focus points, maybe like Bravely Default or something like that, where you, you can earn these points in combat that you can add to any attack to make it a little more powerful. But um, only certain actions give you these focus points. Uh, once you use them, they go away. Um, if you attack an enemy's weakness, um, you earn a focus point. Maybe I'm confusing games. Um, 
But anyway, that's not the most interesting part of the game. The most interesting part of the game is the exploration because it is such a minimalist game. There's no art. Um, all you're doing is walking on a grid. It's like a piece of graph paper and there's a path that you can walk in and go from square to square to square. There's branching paths to kind of explore the, the dungeon level. Um, and there's a hundred, I think there's a hundred levels. So you, the goal is to get through all 100 levels. Uh, and what you're doing on each level is trying to find the staircase down to the next level. Um, but again, because there's no art style, everything, every tile either has a number or is blank. If it's a blank tile, then uh, you can just walk over it. If it has a number, then that number corresponds with something. So numbers one through 10 are your like town buildings, like number five, uh, a number five tile is your rest tile. So if you see a five in the dungeon, you know, okay, that's the tile I can go to where I can recharge my, my life. Um, there are numbers for combat that you don't necessarily know what they mean unless you've studied that portion of the codex. So if you see like D4, and if you've battled a D4 before, then you know it's a battle. But if you haven't, you don't necessarily know what that tile is. So you have to step on it, go into the combat and see what the enemy is um, that way. So that's the minimalist style of it. There's no art. It's just labels on tiles. And that's how you're traversing and determining what's on each tile. The coolest part of that and the exploration side of it is that you're unlocking abilities. So just to share my brief story, I got my characters up to like level 20 or something like that, made it to the like 24th floor, total party wipeout. But your party is just the four people you have with you. You also have back at home base, you have a whole other cast of characters that are just there waiting. So even though I leveled up all those characters and they died, what happens when they die is they just stay on the one tile and you can go and rescue them with people who are back at the home base. So what I had to do is take a bunch of level one characters and try to get them back down to level 18 just to, or whatever, level 24, just to rescue my team and bring them back so I could use my top tier team. Um, but the challenge there is sometimes you have to walk over battle tiles. And if you have a bunch of level one characters, they can't beat enemies past, you know, um, dungeon level five or something like that. So there's a little challenge there, but the abilities that you unlock through playing the game allow you to kind of fudge the exploration a little bit. Like one of the abilities I unlock allows you to transport yourself to any other random tile on the floor. So as this party of level ones trying to get back to my party that had died, that was way down on level 24, um, I was using a lot of those abilities, like the random tile one. I'd come to a battle tile I knew it couldn't beat. So then I'd use the random um, tile assignment ability and hope that it would push me to the other side of this battle tile I couldn't cross. So it's kind of fun the way you kind of uh, have to manipulate things in order to, to get where you're going. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, it just, it's, it's the minimal style that is the addicting part of it because you're just doing these loops that are really rewarding to, to accomplish. Um, yeah. It, sorry, go ahead. Real quick. I, this is another game I had a hard time picturing. So I looked up some, 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 some pictures from it in the, in the art and stuff. And it, I, honestly, I think it looks really cool. Yeah, it's a really good idea. And the, those abilities, those exploration abilities are what make the game really fun. There's another one that, um, if there's a tile on the floor directly below you, you can like dig a hole and, and skip down to the next level. But if you haven't been there, you don't know if there's a tile below you. You can try every tile if you want, uh, but it's just really tedious. 
So a lot of people will play this game with a piece of paper next to them so they can write down the coordinates of where they want to go. So if they're on a floor above or below and they want to get to the floor above or below the floor that they're on, they'll have those coordinates so they know they can climb up or they can climb down without using the real staircase that's in the on the floor. Huh. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating game. I see it only has mixed reviews on Steam, which I don't think is really fair. I think if you know what you're getting into with this game, you'll enjoy it. But I think that's where most of the mixed reviews come from. People think they're playing a more traditional JRPG um, with more art and in, 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 uh, more polished more polished world i guess sure. uh but basically the only art is what you see on the combat screen and the character art that's it there's no there's not even um i think there's if there's background music there's only one background music one type of background music so yeah there's really not much going on in the game but that's part of its charm nice I should say, I don't know if this is a game-breaking bug or I'm just really unlucky, but I ran into a character called Treasure Hunter. It stole all my gold to the point where I had negative 34,000 gold. I don't know how I'm going to come back from that. No idea. Because I earned maybe 100 gold a battle. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I don't know if it's a, a bug that that shouldn't happen. I mean, in my mind, that's a bug because how do you how give you, someone yeah. negative money? You know. Well, especially if you're just getting robbed. Right. Unless you're doing some shady deals with Tom Nook, you know, right. like you shouldn't have negative gold in a game. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do recommend it um, for people that are interested in that minimalist side of it. Uh, if you're not, don't because you won't like the game. But uh, yeah, there's definitely something there. Nice. Okay. Anything else, Corey? Mm-mm. All right. Uh, so yeah, th- as you well know, this is episode 499. We are planning on all getting together for episode 500. I cannot promise it'll be next week. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to sync all of our schedules. Uh, we're going to try to get it next week, but if not next week, it's not going to be next weekend, right? Um, right? So it'll be not next week, but it'll be it might come out the week after. Um, but we're, yeah. we're we're working on that. We will all be on. We will all be re- redoing our top tens. Um, so yeah. I'm really looking forward to redoing my top 10 because I think it is very different from my last list. Oh, cool. I'm I'm glad to hear that because I, I have like one game that I'm going to put on oh, really? uh, my top 10 and I, I don't think it's going to change all that much. But I'm glad yeah. yours is going to change because I, I, think don't, I just, don't think mine will. I think I've just changed so much as a person since the last time I did my list that it's just like totally changed my perspective on how I want to approach the list. Like yeah. throwing out all the nostalgia, you know, like, with some exceptions, right. uh, throwing out all the nostalgia, throwing out all the hipster picks, you know, just, just these are the games that I really love and appreciate. And, and that's what I'm going to do. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, again, if, if we do have the episode, it'll be, it won't be on, on the weekend. It'll be next week sometime or the week mm-hmm. after sometime during the week. Probably we'll, I think we'll probably end up recording a night uh, sometime, sometime. So yeah, that'll do it for episode 499 of the Thumbstick Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'm Corey. Thanks for listening, and get out of my basement. Watch it.